Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Athlete Radio. Hey, what's up, Nomi Athlete Radio listeners? This is Matt by myself today, recording episode 40 of Nomi Athlete Radio, which means we've been talking into a microphone for 40 hours or so, if we average an hour an episode, and uh, that seems like a lot to me. So I'm, I'm glad that we've been able to do that, and especially glad that we've been able to increase the frequency of these things recently. Uh, I know the past month hasn't been quite as much as we were doing before that. I had a crazy month of travel. I realized that I was on... 12 different airplanes in the span of 20 days, uh, which might not be a lot for everybody, not if you're one of those commuter types who does that all the time for work, but uh, that's a lot for me. I haven't, I don't think I've been on 12 airplanes in the, in the three years before this year. So, um, busy, busy, busy stuff, fun stuff though. Runner's World, uh, we did an event there in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, went to their half marathon, Doug and I both went and, uh, ran the 5k and 10k. I did at least, uh, Doug ran all three overachiever. And we'll talk about that next episode. We've got uh, Golden Harbor from Ultra Shoes, who was one of the big sponsors of the event and really blew us away with their presentation. We were really, really impressed with them. Uh, so I got him on the podcast. And most recently, I went to a Tony Robbins seminar in Dallas, Texas. And that was this past weekend. I've been to those a few times. If you've read No Meat Athlete for a while, then you know that about me. Uh, I just get into that kind of stuff, the the motivational, personal development peak performance type of thing, and I've been to three of those events now. In fact, the first one I went to back in 2009 was my initial, uh, not inspiration, but the spark that got me to become vegetarian for the first time, long before I even knew what vegan was, and uh, also kind of got me recommitted to qualifying for Boston, and then when I took those two those two passions or interests and combine them, I, I started Nomad Athlete, like literally a week after I got home from the first Unleash the Power Within seminar in 2009 that I did uh, is when Nomad Athlete was born. So I love it for that reason. Went back a year and a half later and went back this last weekend, which was really like four years since the last time I'd been. And uh, I love it. Walk across the coals, jump up and down. If you ever watched the video of it online, it uh, would not be hard to find that just by Googling, I'm sure. It looks like a cult thing. I mean, people are, you'll look at it and be like, these are weirdo freaks. I will never go to that sort of thing. But uh, I don't know. It's done some really great things for me, and, and it's a blast to actually be there. So if you're the slightest bit interested in that sort of thing, then I would highly recommend it. Uh, it has been life-changing for me, and, and I'm, a, I'm a Tony fan. So that busy month of travel is over. Uh, I'm somewhat thankful for that. It was fun, but I'm, I'm glad it's done. And now we are back to podcasting. We've got two episodes lined up for this week, including this one, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to do two a week going forward from here. I can't promise that we'll definitely be able to do that, but should be able to get at least one per week, and uh, I think that's a good thing. So this episode is with Sid Garza-Hillman, who you've heard before if you've listened to the Nomad Athlete podcast archives. Sid and I met uh, at the Stanford Inn where he works. He's the, the director of their wellness center. Uh, he kind of hosted me there, or I should you know, the owner of the inn hosted me, but uh, Sid, Sid kind of made that happen. In between Portland and San Francisco stops on my book tour last year, last fall, right around this time, and uh, we, we really became good friends. So this, this is a, you know, 
more about me interviewing him versus that time was kind of us just sitting around and, and you know, being idiots. But uh, this was more me inter- interviewing him, and it didn't end up us kind of being idiots again. So uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it. A lot of good stuff. His book is fantastic. I'd highly recommend it. It's called Approaching the Natural. Very cheap book. You can get it on Amazon. I don't know what the cost is, but I think it's under 10 bucks. Uh, would highly recommend it. And if you listen, we'll do a giveaway at the end of this one. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, it's Matt Frazier. I'm with Sid Garza Hillman, who has become, I'm ashamed to say, a friend of mine in the past year or two. <laughs> Sid, thank you very much for joining us for your second time on the No Me podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. Sure. Yeah, I, I didn't really want to, but I decided that I would. Um, well, we're friends. We're friends. I mean, you have to. At right. This point. We're friends. Yeah. So, yeah. and you weren't really on my podcast as much as I wasn't on yours. It was just we we were. I was doing my book tour last. Uh, this was probably. This must have been October. Probably right around this time of year, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, swung went in driving from Portland down to San Francisco. Went uh, not too far away from the place where you work, which I am suddenly blanking on the name of for some reason. The Stanford Inn. The Stanford Inn, yes, the, which is amazing and uh, all vegan resort, really cool. And we've been meaning to make it back there, um, so I should not have forgotten the name, but. Anyway, um, so you're the nutritionist there, the, the director of the wellness center, I should say, and we just kind of hung out in front of the fire, just talked. Uh, the fire didn't really work out the way we had planned; it kind of didn't uh, didn't take. But uh, we just sort of goofed off for a half an hour or, or an hour or whatever, and then put it on each of our podcasts. So uh, I figured it'd be fun to just to do an official Sid Garza Hillman appearance on the podcast. That sounds great. You know, it did take that night the fire of our friendship. <laughs> Yeah, maybe for you it did. I don't know if it did really for me. Uh, but then we did a few events later. We, so we, we jointly did events in Oakland and San Francisco, actually. Went for a run in San Francisco. That's right. Uh, had some beers. Had a good time. So we did. I would say that's when that's when our the fire of our friendship took for me. I, I completely agree. <laughs> so anyway, uh, and you were also, we should mention, just because I like to mention the Nomad Athlete Academy, you were also our very first Nomad Athlete Academy guest, and we actually did two episodes that totaled, I think, like three hours worth of time, uh, yeah. just talking about about habit change for the most part as the overarching theme. Because what you do for your job is is really a lot of habit change type of stuff. I mean, trying to get people uh, who who maybe you know aren't even close to wanting or or feeling like they need to do a plant based diet, but sort of introducing them to it and, and trying to uh to get you know make them make it make the change last yeah i mean it's not for me as a health coach and i am a nutritionist but for me it's a bigger picture so it's not even really about plant-based per se it's about having helping people to live happier and healthier and and of course moving them in the direction of healthier foods which of course i i believe ultimately is whole plants but it's a step in the right direction for people and most of my clients well, many are plant-based, but some aren't, you know, and it just depends on where they are in their own trek. Right. Cool. And uh, and you have a lot of great ideas. Your book, Approaching the Natural, uh, is one I gave it. I like it so much that I gave away a copy to everyone who joined the Nomad Athlete Academy in that initial, uh, you know, initial sign-up period. And I have two more copies to give away today, so we'll do that at the end. Just explain how to do that. Um, but. You know, so we're not in in half an hour or forty minutes or wherever we go. We won't nearly go into the depth that we could go into in three hours of academy calls. But uh, this will just be kind of fun, give people a sense of of what you're about, and uh, you know, we'll just have a good time. 
Sounds so, good to me. Uh, you, I don't. Are you still? Are you still calling yourself the Small Steps Advocate? Is that still your your moniker? The Small Step Advocate. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So small. So I could actually trademark Small Steps Advocate if I wanted for my. You own. could. You sh- and you should. <laughs> okay. Good. I certainly should. Anyone listening? That's a great opportunity there. <laughs> um, but anyway. T- tell us about that. I mean, I, I've we've kind of beaten small steps into the ground here, but I, I just like getting different approaches and hearing people, different people say it because it's so much counter to so much of what we hear. Uh, the the vegan doctors, you know, all the all the T. Colin Campbells, Joel Fermans, who I think are great for what they do, many of them, uh, but they don't t- they don't say a whole lot about how to, how do you actually adopt this? How do you make the change? It's kind of like just here's what you have to do and it's really hard but do it anyway or else you're going to die you take a much different approach so can you can you just give us your version of that i mean what's what what are small steps about for you and even like the stress things i love that what you say about like that if you're stressed about what you're eating then you're you might as well be eating junk because it's it's just not you know that's a part of of diet and lifestyle too is how how much you're stressing about the way you're eating so um yeah go go ahead Okay, well, it's so so my my approach is to is two pronged. The first the first premise is that that I started to look at our bodies and ourselves as an animal again, and 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 to to advise people to take that into consideration when they're deciding that they want to move to to be healthier and happier in the context of the modern world. And when we look at ourselves as animals, then the things that are normal for us in the modern world, like driving a car, or sitting at a desk, aren't normal for us as a species. And so when we when we I believe we can bridge the gap a little bit because we're not going to leave the modern world, but I think we can do better in the context of the modern world. So that the idea is that the closer we get to what's more natural to us as a, as a species in all respects, including diet, but also moving our bodies and how we socialize everything else, um, the better we do. And then on top of that, how to incorporate the, those changes are in the, that's where I jumped on the small step, um, thing because, Frankly, because I wasn't successful as a nutritionist when I started out, and and I would give people the plan and and do what like those doctors you mentioned uh, do, I wouldn't instill the fear that I believe many of those doctors are doing. And I have a real problem with that, by the way. And and, and I'll also mention that I don't disagree with most of what they advocate for, but I do disagree with their execution of it because I see more and more people coming in with this kind of glazed look over their eyes, and and they're in fear. And they're militant and they're rigid and it's making their lives miserable. And so what I wanted to take on as a small step advocate was a new way of thinking about our lives in the modern world and how to incorporate those changes. And that is small steps. But it's so much bigger than just saying small steps because what I do as a coach is help people determine how small they need to go. And it is a constant conversation because we're so drawn every second to this diet that we're looking at or this pill that we're looking at or this kind of thing. And I'm against a huge market force of those kinds of things. And I'm just one guy and there ain't many of us out there who are small stepping. And so um, it is a constant conversation that I have to keep up in my practice and my podcast, everything every week because it's such a battle against these giant forces that are you know, trying to sell things in the modern world. So it's a challenge, but it's also really fun. And how, how does that take shape for like a typical – client who comes in and you know is starting at the very beginning of even beginning to eat healthy um you know like what's what's the first thing you recommend and then what's the what's the next thing you recommend okay so the way that that, that technically i work is i i start for the first hour as a nutritionist so i do start the thing it's like okay i'm a nutritionist what are you eating i kind of just do that whole like food diary what what supplements are you on what medications are you on okay let me take it into consideration okay here's a guideline and then quickly i go 
do not follow this guideline right now. This is for you as a resource when and if you ever get to this. It's not what we're talking about right now. Then I begin the process of having them determine who they really are. And this is a big thing that I talk about. And this is even, it isn't even something you and I addressed before. So this is kind of just new stuff, which is cool. But um, I get to, to have a conversation with them. And I have a, this task that I give them, which is that they figure out who they really are. Not what they've been doing. Not the behaviors that they're doing but who they really are. And by that, I mean, if you have a, a candy addiction, let's say, and you binge on candy and you, you feel like you can't stop yourself, I ask you, are you deep down, is that who you want to be? Do you want to be the person who has a candy addiction? And they go, well, no, I don't. I, I really don't. And I go, then you're not that person. You happen to be in conflict with who you really are right now because you're binging on candy, but that's not what you value. And when I can understand what people want to value, so if somebody sits on the couch all day, but they want to be healthier and they want to get off the couch and run, I don't need them to do that right then, but I need them to say, I want to be the person who gets off the couch and runs. I actually have them do it in first person. So I have them write a little thing that says, I run every day. Even if they don't run ever, I just say, I run every day. I'm at a really healthy weight. I have tons of energy, I, et cetera, et cetera. And that's my starting point. Then I say, okay, now let's talk about how we can incorporate small steps in the direction of all the things that you truly are to sort of remove the impediment and the conflicts over time. But I also really argue all the time that it's a long-term practice. It's not 21 days or three months or anything. It's a long-term practice. And so oftentimes with sort of candy addiction, let's say that model, sometimes I don't even deal with the addiction itself. I don't deal with candy. If I were just a nutritionist, I'd say, you know, don't eat any more candy. Well, that's easy to do while you're working with me, but what happens when we're done? So what I do is, okay, can we bring in journaling? Can we bring in small steps of meditation? Can we bring in small steps of movement so that you're in a better place when you're around that candy? You're more aware, you're more present, you're more energized, and you're able to make better choices that are in line with who you are. And so that's, it's a big picture ticket for me with, with my clients and just people who I work with, you know, more informally. Yeah, I like that. That's I didn't realize that you did quite so much, uh, you know, because you didn't you didn't even mention like what do they do about wh- what's the first dietary step that they take. Um, but yeah, that, that, I mean, I, I think that's great. I love all that stuff, and I think I think incorporating mindfulness around food uh, is a totally ignored thing by by most doctors and most most anybody. Uh, so I think that's great. What about what about diet? Like, where would be the first dietary step you tell someone? I mean, is, is it just drink drink more water, start with a smoothie? I mean, how do you, where do you go with the, well, the smallest de- step there? Right. Well, it depends on the client. So, what I like to say is, you know, I got an email from somebody like, "Well, I just like big, I like big, massive steps." I was like, "Okay, well, just to be clear, the small step is the, the definition of a small step that I define it is it's the step the size of which is isn't going to add stress to your lives to take on." So for some clients that I've had that come to me with stage four cancer, their steps enormous. Their small steps enormous. They're ready to do everything and without stress because they have cancer and they want to live as long as possible. So they're like, "You tell me what to do, I will do it." It doesn't. There's no stress involved. But for other people who just want to live and start to to be healthier and happier in their lives, a small step could be that glass of water. What I help them do is assess for themselves. And I give them the training to continue this work, but. If somebody, in other words, is already drinking water every day and has a big salad every day, it might be you know adding in um, something watery and raw with whatever they eat for lunch. But for some clients, it has been a glass of water because that's the only place they can start. Like if I try to, and, and so it's sort of like this give and take. I go, okay, why don't we try this as our first step? Within three or four days, they go, oh, I forgot to do that. I go, okay, well let's back that back down again. It's sort of this 
give and take. And when you do that, it teaches them that there is no failure. It's all forward momentum. It's just that they're learning how to assess what is working for them and how to care for themselves in a supportive fashion, not this like go to the gym and beat yourself up for 45 minutes, do a strict diet for 21 days, this kind of like submission that we self submission thing that we that we sort of buy into it's teaching somebody how to go like what's what works for me what's good for me and sometimes when i start off like really really small within days they're building on it you know if i can get somebody to eat one slice of cucumber for a week within t- two weeks after that they're like having a salad like it's really quick but i need them to get that just that baseline i'm a person who eats healthy food every day behavior and then i can build on that Cool. I like that a lot. That's that's really interesting. Um, what what about someone who who wants to, you know, even if even if they think it will add, like, what if someone is just say, well, I'm a, I'm someone who changes all at once, or I I like big changes. Um, and I don't know you just mentioned someone said that, but like, but what about somebody who just who really does want to do, you know, who just can't doesn't have the patience and won't won't go that slow? I mean, do you, do you tell them don't try to change this much yet? Like, do, do you advise people not to do that? If they're under my care in terms of the, the month, see, I don't work with people for less than a month. The minimum you work with me is a month, period. So during that month, I'm happy to take on a fairly sizable step. People, because they've been trained to sort of grab a diet book and they can do that and they think, well, I can, I've done a diet for 21 days. I had a client once say, um, you know, a lot, of, I said, have any of the diets you've ever done worked? Well, she said, well, not long term. I go, okay, well, that's the def, you know, like that's the definition. You came to me because you don't want to be doing diet after diet after diet. So they think they can take on a lot and oftentimes they can't. And so our, my job is not to tell them what their step is, but to help them figure out what their step is. And sometimes under my, in the month that they're with me, we try something that's maybe bigger than I personally would think works for them, but I want them to do that so that they can see that was too big for me. And then they can back it back down and learn that whole process. And so it's just, it's just helping them find out for themselves. Gotcha. Okay. And and what about in the realm of exercise? Uh, Let's say just because a lot of people who listen to this are runners or want to be runners and you yourself are a runner. um, What, what is your, what's the approach to, to increasing the amount of running? Like, let's say someone comes and wants to do a half marathon where and I, I know you're not a, a running coach, but like I'm just wondering where where do you start in terms of that? Are you a big fan of like walk first, run walk stuff, or is it is it just kind of like go pick a training plan and, and do it? Well, what's interesting about the whole running thing is that is that um, people sort of accept like if you have never run ever and you want to run a half marathon, most people understand that it takes a long time to train for that. Most people are going to go, oh yeah, probably it's going to take me six months to a year. They're okay with that time limit. When it comes to diet, because there's so many books that tell you to lo- that you can lose 10 pounds in 10 days, we're not as patient about dietary changes. So I find that, first of all, very interesting. Like Nobody battles with me when I go, if you've never run before, yes, I will. I'll say maybe two minutes down the hallway is all you can do. I literally started a client one time with two minutes on a trampoline. Why? Because she'd go, she was this you know, exercise a bat out of hell for two weeks and then burn out and don't exercise for three months and then get a gym membership and go an hour every day for three weeks and then burn out and, and don't exercise anymore. And she didn't want to do that anymore. And so I, two minutes on a trampoline. Well, 
quickly after two or three months, she's walking, training for a half marathon walk, you know, like it, it builds so fast. So it really depends on the client. But yeah, I would start somebody at two week, two minutes down the hallway. Mm-hmm. If that's what gets you off the couch, most, I started a client with five squats and I would just, I would, I would have her do those squats while she was on, I do like check-in calls and, and I'd be on the phone with her. I go, okay, let's do our squats. And that, that set her in motion of being a person who exercises every single day. If she has a half marathon in her sights, then it's, that's, if that's the only place she can start, then great. But if they already have a foundation of running, obviously, I'm still going to tell them to ease in. But you know, it's gonna be a, 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 they're going to start at three miles, let's say, and then build on from there. But they're still going to do it incrementally so it doesn't add stress to their lives. Gotcha. Yeah, and that's, that seems to be central to everything you do is, is does it add stress to your life? Uh, and I think that's really cool. People, people don't think about that at all. And I think, I think a lot of people who think they're eating really healthily are doing so under a lot of stress and food is a big stressor in their life, you know, about counting every calorie and making sure that you absolutely do not eat this and this and this. And, uh, I, I think that mindset does not help at all and probably hurts. So I think that's, I think it's fantastic that you are teaching and preaching that sort of thing. Well, and the thing is, like, I, what I ask people, because I've had people go, like, well, my friend in so-and-so counts calories and she's really thin. I go, okay, you can do that. And I, I can put you on a thousand different diets, Atkins being one of them, that will that will get you to lose weight. So partly what I want to do is get people to acknowledge perhaps what they're really looking for in weight loss, which is that they want to be happier and they want to feel better in their bodies. And that's that's great. But weight is one of the effects of a healthy body. So is healthy skin. So is healthy hair. Everything else, and you can't be necessarily thin and healthy. That that doesn't one doesn't necessarily mean the other. The other thing I ask them is, do you want to be a person who counts calories? Is that a quality? That's why it's bigger than diet. Is that a quality of life thing for you? Do you want to be a person? Because when they say their friend counts calories and is totally thin, they're not saying I have this friend who's totally happy and healthy. They're saying their friend is thin. That may not be what they want for their lives. And I always go like, let's talk about this. Do you want to be a person who weighs and measures and counts and all they do is think about food at the expense of all the other things that we can do in our lives like family time and travel and you know, writing books and do all these amazing things? You can't do those if you're counting calories and weighing stuff all day. So it really is about how do you want to live your life and then how to ease into making that a reality for you. Great. All right, I'm not gonna let the trampoline thing go. Are you? You're not into rebounding for fitness, are you, Sid? Geez, that's a loaded question. <laughs> okay, well, I, that, I wanted to go there later with in, in the book because there are a few parts in your book that that took me aback. Uh, that that I'm starting to kind of come around on as I just get to know you more and and have talked to more people about them. Uh, okay, not so here's which a, is grounding, but let's let's talk about rebounding okay. first. Okay, so let's talk about rebounding. Okay, okay? so for me. I, first of all, I really like, I do like rebounding. I, I love running, but I think rebounding is great. Wait, hold and on. We should stop. Rebounding, for anyone who's not listening, is jumping on a trampoline, right? Yeah, like a mini tramp. A little one, right. One of those yeah, yeah, okay. 1980s okay. or 75 style brown. Well, I got mine trips. I got mine in in, 19, in 2005, but whatever. Okay. Um, and uh, anyway, and, um, and, and so the thing about tra- trampolining is it's very low impact. Um, the beauty of it is that it's set up, and so for me, when we had this is this is why it's a it's a whole life issue. Okay, it's never just about fitness or just about food. So when my wife and I had our twins in 2005, 
I don't know if, if you know any of your listeners ever have twins. If they do, they're totally like they know what I'm talking about here. It was exhausting and taxing. And the only thing that I could sort of manage was a few minutes on a trampoline. It was in my it was in my living room. My babies could be right there on the floor or whatever, just hanging out, and I could get movement into my body. The value is moving your body. Would I have preferred to go out on a run? Yeah, I guess, except for I was freaking exhausted and 10 minutes was the thing that I could like, of course I can do 10 minutes, you know, no problem. It kept me moving my body in that regard. Is it better than being outside? Of course not. But what I try to impress upon people that if they get this mindset that exercise is only 45 minutes on a run or it's only a spin class, then you are heading for a burnout. And I'd rather have somebody move their bodies however they choose. And by the way, it's fun to jump on a trampoline. That's flip true. On your, you flip on your music, and who doesn't love jumping on trampolines? Seriously. Yep. Okay? Frazier, I know <laughs> you like jumping on a trampoline. I do. Okay. So, okay. So it's fun. And if that I – go, I go, if you turn on music and dance in your living room, that's as much exercise as anything else. And if that's fun for you, then great. I happen – my preference is I love running but because I love it. Not because some coach goes, you have to run this much to be a person who exercises. Then I'd be like, you're, you're full of crap. So again, I'm a fan of, of trampolining in the way that I'm a fan of anything that somebody can do to move their bodies because they want to feel better. Okay, good. Fair enough. I, and I, I don't – I'm not opposed to it. I'm glad you didn't give me some sort of cellular health argument you know, with the gravitational thing. Well, well here's, here's – I mean on a very real level, movement of any kind circulates our lymph system. Sure. So, so it's, 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 there's no pump there. So you need to move your body. But again, I don't give, I don't care how you move it. For me, a trampoline was the ideal situation. It's still in my living room. My wife still uses it a couple, few times, you know, a few times a week. I'll jump on it now and then. Right now I'm training for a race, so I'm not doing it as much. But sometimes depending on my life, I'm not going to stop moving, but the trampoline may be my best bet. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's all. That's where I sit on it. That's fine. And I actually, I owned a trampoline until I bought one. Actually, this is funny. I went to Tony Robbins, uh, his Unleashed the Power Within event in, last weekend, and I had been to that in 2009, and I bought a trampoline right after that because he's really big into that he, and the whole acid-alkaline diet thing, which I, I'm interested to get your take on that actually too. But uh, I bought one then, did it for a little while, and then we had a kid, and that kind of you know all went out the window. And uh, so I guess unlike you, I, I think I stopped trampolining once I had kids instead of started. But anyway, uh, I got rid of it when we moved. But now that I went again, I'm kind of thinking about buying a new one just because they only cost 30 bucks at Walmart or wherever, or Target. Well, so one, one word of advice. I bought a cheaper one and it broke and it was like really crappy. But then I bought a nice one. And it's been over – it's been almost – well, it's been almost six years. Wow. And I bought – I bought. I'm not, by the way, not connected in any financial way to this company. But I bought a seller sizer. And that trampoline has been – awesome only one time in five and a half years it, it broke a spring and i called the company and they're like oh we'll send you another one i popped it on it was like it's like excellent so that's the one i love and it's a whole nother experience it's really well designed so it feels better to jump on it so okay. again you know good just throwing it out there you don't happen to have video of when you were jumping on it and it actually broke do you i don't know but i went through the floor into the garage <laughs> so it was a, it was uh yeah no it wasn't a pretty it was a, that's how, that's when i lost my hair um anyway <laughs> Great. Uh, okay, good. So that's rebounding. Uh, I'm tempted to get into it. What about acid alkaline? Just because I I brought that up. I, I'm okay. Okay, like I'm in. I love what Tony Robbins teaches. I don't really like that part of what he teaches, and I love what Brendan Brazier teaches. And when he goes there to acid alkaline, I just kind of like I'm just a little bit too skeptical, and I haven't really seen much science behind it. Uh, what do you think? 
Okay, first of all, I want to acknowledge that I won the rebounding argument. Okay, <laughs> okay. Sec- okay second of all, um, is that the acid alkaline balance, there's a couple things about it. Is, it, is it. is there a validity to it? Yes, there is. The fact of the matter is, is I call them light box, heavy box foods. But the, the more nutrient content, the higher the nutrient content of the food, and specifically the mineral content, the more alkaline that food is in your body. It's the way, it's a, it's a post-digestion issue. There's a residue left over. They call it an ash. Mm-hmm. And that will, that will affect the alkalinity or acidity of your blood. But here's the thing. People think like, oh, I'm really acidic. You're not really acidic because you'd be dead if you were really acidic. Sure. The, the way that I look at it, again, is under the stress rubric, which is if you are eating a highly acidic acid-forming diet, your body has to do a lot more work to maintain the blood at a slightly alkaline level, which is about 7.3 or 7.4. The thing about it is that stress of any kind makes our bodies more acidic. Anger, stress, and fear specifically, nutrient deficiency, obesity, there's a lot of things that play into that. And so to just, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm very wary of like this kind of reductionist because I feel like it gets people to sort of, again, get that look on their faces like that now they're going to have to quantify every food. If you eat food that's more natural and, and, and in, in as, as close to its natural state as possible in ways that your body can understand and minimally expend energy to process, that food's going to be alkaline. You don't need to do the math on it. it I, I keep going back to like, gorillas like you never see a gorilla walking around with a glycemic index chart you never see a gorilla going is that alkaline where am i in the balance it's we're the only species that overthinks this thing we have a lot to deal with in modern in the modern world and actually i think diet is one of the last things that we need to like quantify on that level it's very easy to eat healthily what's hard is the habit around that and and to make the choice between the twinkie which will get us high and the and the lettuce, which won't, but will make us feel better, you know, long term. That's where my energy is placed. It's it's actually really easy to eat heavy box foods. You know, people go, "It's so hard to eat healthy." It's super easy to, in terms of nutrition, but it's the behaviors around it that we should be focusing our energies on. And the alkaline balance thing, it gets into that kind of like, oh man, like, do you really need to know that information? Like, is it really going to help you live better in your life? Probably not. Okay. Good. So for anyone who doesn't know what it is, and not, not everyone does because it's still kind of a fringy thing, uh, like you said, if you know, you, your, your body changes its, its pH level, and I guess, you, I guess it's the blood is where you're primarily it's, talking it's about. Just, it. Well, it's just the blood because like, the stomach is 1 to 2 on the pH scale. Right. Yep. You know, and, and so it's like refined foods, animal products. Um, you know, whey protein, soy protein. You know, this isn't even yep. a, a vegan thing. Like it's right. Exactly. Prescription drugs, synthetic vitamins, they're all... Lots of bread, apparently. Yeah, well, it depends, right? And so, yes, so grains and nuts are slightly acidic. And there's a spectrum to this, too. Again, like, I can teach people that level of nutrition if they ask, but I really don't go there because I go, unless you're interested because you think it's fun to study nutrition like I do, don't bother. Like, you don't need to know the mechanics of it unless you want to. It's fine, but I don't want people to get hung up on this sort of acid-alkaline kind of thing because if you have a lot of stress in your life that's non-dietary, you could be eating an alkaline diet and still be acidic because of the stress that you're incurring and stress weakens your digestion. 
chronic stress weakens digestion. So you could eat, be eating really well but not processing the food that you are eating and that's causing additional stress to your body that is additionally making you creep into the acid realm. So again, like it's a bigger picture than just food. Right. Okay. So, so all the foods you mentioned, just for anyone who doesn't know about it, um, the animal products, the refined stuff, the sugar, the white flour, all that stuff is considered acid forming in the body. And very few, th- or at least com- the way most people eat, very few things are alkaline forming, but they turn out to be the green vegetables, some fruits. I mean, just mostly well, unprocessed whole foods that aren't animal yeah, products. Are yeah, but like, f- for, for, exactly. So, for instance, citrus is alkaline. Now, people right. go, oh, it's, it's very acidic. Yep. Well, it's got citric acid in it in terms of the taste of it. But after your body processes it, a lemon is highly mineralized. And so those big minerals like calcium, magnesium, and potassium, and sodium are alkaline. They're alkaline minerals. And it really comes down to like a hydrogen issue. It's so biochemical and it's not, again, relevant to, the, to most people's everyday, like I got kids, I'm taking them to school kind of life, you know? Right. And so, so again, like whole plants are alkaline virtually all whole plants, fruits and vegetables are alkaline because they're so high in micronutrients. Grains and nuts are tend to be a little more neutral slash slightly acidic um, because they're a little higher in calories, a little less less in nutrients. And that's and that's kind of all you need to know. Everything that's processed or comes from an animal tends to be more more acidic. Whole milk is kind of in the neutral to slightly acidic realm. You know, so it just it sort of just depends. Yeah, and and the idea is that if your body is too acidic, as most people's are, then as you said, the body has to maintain its own pH, so it's going to have to work hard, use up alkaline stores, and apparently, eventually, for elderly people, that can that can if they do it long enough, that can mean leaching calcium from bones. And I've seen that actually cited in Dr. Furman's Eat to Live. So I, I tend to believe that's an actual thing that happens but no it's it's i've I've read it multiple places your body to survive because this is how your body is designed it's brilliant it it will survive so if it if if the blood is becoming more acidic the body's not going to roll over but it is going to divert energy into taking a highly alkaline mineral that we all have a lot of which is calcium out of the bones and sending it to the blood to buffer the acidity so Furman specifically calls it the negative calcium balance, which is that we're losing more calcium than we're taking in. And by the way, the U.S. takes in more calcium than anywhere in the world almost, and, we're, and we have the worst bone health of anywhere. And in large part because our diets are typically acid-forming and we are taking calcium, our bodies, out of the bones to deal with that. It's a brilliant mechanism that the body has. It's one of survival. Yep. Um, it's just not you know, just a reality for us. Right. So that's acid alkaline if you've never heard of it. Um, but yeah, and that's, that's why I got to the point where I was like, well, I don't really care if it's true or not because it recommends the same foods that I eat anyway for other reasons. So like, it doesn't really matter whether they're, you know, what the reason is, but just if you eat whole plant foods, you're, you're not eating too many acid forming foods. So whether you believe it or not, uh, you're, you're probably doing the right thing by it. That's right. It's, it's, it's a very simple equation, just like the glycemic index, which is old news and nobody needs to think about glycemic index anymore. You know, it's just like all these things are hanging people up on their ability to live better in the modern world. So for me as a nutritionist, I'm very wary to be like, you know, hey, pay attention to acid alkaline, you know, test your pH all the time because it makes people crazy. Right. Because you have to pee on pieces of paper and do yeah, whatever. That's not no saliva. It's like that's not even accurate. It's like you know, the whole thing. It's like crazy. I don't. I haven't counted anything for twelve years. Like nothing. I don't count calories, grams of anything. I international units of anything. That's because that's a choice I make for my life. I don't want to be spending my time. I'd rather be with my kids and my wife. You know. Mm-hmm. Just count that money. Just count the dough. Exactly. <laughs> 
So speaking of, of dough, of which, of which your book I'm sure has made you plenty. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. No, my minivan is in chip-chop shape. <laughs> uh, Approaching the Natural is the name of it, and it's it's a fantastic book. It's short. It's a little manual guidebook. would fit in your back pocket if you wanted and uh, covers – you know, it's it's this type of conversation about diet and exercise and other topics like grounding, which is the idea of, of – why don't you tell us what that idea is, Sid? I'm, I'm starting to believe it a little bit too. Okay. And so, let, just to preface, you're not like some weird out there guy. I'm I'm kind of bringing up the the things that you do that are weird and out there. Uh, but like even the, the bulk of the book is just good common sense, great advice. It's all about this whole approach, and I think it's wonderful. So um, I'm, I'm picking on the stuff that I think is funny, but, but uh, I, I don't doubt that there's something to it. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah, Ground yeah. It. Thanks. Yeah. And it is, it is, it literally was designed to fit in a back pocket, just so you know. Like that oh, was yeah. on the publisher, like goes, let's size it this way. And I was like, <laughs> right on. Anyway, so the thing about, so remember when I began in the first and I said, look, things that are normal for us in the modern world aren't normal for us as a species. And one of those things is that we cover our feet with rubber. And everybody now knows that when you're in the sun and the sun hits your skin, you make vitamin D. That's sort of like, oh, okay, I get it. But it's that kind of, it's this. It, I'm coming at it like that. It's like we interact with nature. We are we are natural bodies. That as 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 much as we wear clothes and drive cars, we still are made of of the stuff of the earth, and we interact with our environments. Just we do. That's what we do, and all animals do. One of the things that we are now disconnecting from, and again, my premise, like I said, is the more we include in our lives that are natural to us as a species, the better we do. One of those things is is a physical connection to the surface of the earth. We are electric. Our bodies are electrically governed. And when we sit in front of computers and we put cell phones to our head and we're living under power wires, there can be a buildup of static electricity in our bodies. It's very real. If you've ever walked across a carpet and touched a doorknob and that little shock, it's because you conduct electricity. And when there's nowhere for it to go because we cover our dirt with asphalt and concrete and buildings and and you know, polished floors and things like that, and then we put rubber on our soles, there's nowhere for that stuff to go. On a, on a, I know it sounds weird, but it's no weirder than the fact that we interact with sunlight and make vitamin D with cholesterol in our bodies. It's amazing, but it's also just like, again, gorillas are just like, yeah, I do this every day. Like, I don't, you know, like we have to like sort of think about this. So my only point is, and I actually make an argument in the book that there's a psychological benefit to being in nature too. Like we evolved around nature. We are disconnected from it, but when we get back to it, even if it's standing on the sand on a beach, it feels good. It feels right. And putting our feet on the ground feels good. And But on a very electrical level, level you do your body does ground. You can look up on YouTube and there's guys who, have, who wire themselves up. They show the charge in their bodies and they put their bare foot on the ground and you see the meter creep down to almost zero. The energy dissipates and when it does, the body is more in balance and the firing of the heart normalizes and the muscle tension normalizes and all these amazing things. Very real and very measured. And again, I don't want people going crazy about it, but if you can pop off your shoes now and then, it's great. Like I, I sent my book when I was trying to find a publisher to this agent who rejected it. She's like, oh, yeah, I don't think there's a market for it. But we all loved it. And now we go outside and we put our feet on the ground every day. It was so inspiring. And I'm like, well, it's so inspiring. You didn't freaking pick up my book, you know, <laughs> whatever. And, but, but like, they're like, it feels amazing. Now for lunch, we go outside and we take our shoes off for like 10 minutes and we just stand on the ground. It makes a huge difference. It does feel good. So that's what I recommend for people. Again, start small, even if it's a minute. 
Yeah. But it does it does make a difference. And all you need is like tiniest contact, right? Like one big toe on the ground does it, right? Oh yeah, no, totally. And you can see like it's a it is a, I, I do urge your listeners to like look up earthing or grounding on YouTube and watch videos of people. They can show you what happens. It is a dissipation of built up energy. And think about how much electricity we're around just in our in the modern world. It's a mm-hmm. tremendous amount of of concentrated energy on our laptops, et cetera, et cetera. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in this. Like I read it in your book. I think I asked you about it jokingly sort of but you you kind of convinced me that that it was something to look into and then i sort of forgot about it because i didn't want to go buy one of those blankets or whatever it is to plug my bed into the ground uh but then my dad who's like the biggest skeptic in the world about this stuff his his wife encouraged him to try it for some back pain he had and he bought i don't know what it was i don't know how do you how do you plug your bed into the ground or what how do you ground your bed I have a, a grounding sheet at the foot of my, and this is where it, I even say this, and I'm like, man, you're freaking weird, and that's just <laughs> me. I'm just looking in a mirror right now, and so, but but it's a sheet that has silver conductive thread running through it, and I have it at the foot of my bed, and there's a wire that goes to that into the grounding socket on the wall. It's that bottom hole of the three prong sockets, the bottom one. What that does in your in your house is it goes from that that little hole a wire to a copper pipe that is sunk into the earth. The reason for that is that it protects your house from energy surges. There's an, a surge of energy. It goes to ground. That's how you protect your house from shorts and things like that. The energy surge will go into the earth. So my grounding sheet connects to that. And so it dis- And I have actually tested it like with a little grounding tester. When I touch that sheet with my, with my foot or my any skin, it, it, I'm grounded. And so that's all that is. But again, your, your, your listeners don't need to do any of that stuff. It's just when you're outside, touch a tree or put your, you know, when you're sitting on the ground, put your hand on the ground. I mean, that's as simple as we're really talking about here. But when you do it because you're making a decision to take care of yourself, and this is getting into like sort of the bigger issue, I won't really go there now. But when you're doing it to be like, I want to live a little better, it's, it makes a difference in your life well beyond that minute that you put your hand on the ground. It's just that you're sort of reconnecting with yourself in that moment. And I think there's a value to that as well. Good. Cool. I like it. So anyway, my dad, he tried it and uh, he said it was like miraculous. He had it for a week, somehow miraculously cured his back pain. He couldn't believe it. And like I said, he's just a skeptic, does not buy into this kind of stuff. And apparently like for some reason stopped. I don't know what, what it was and has not been able to kind of recreate the miracle again since then. So I don't I don't know what to make of all that, but I know I'm interested. So I'm I'm gonna try it. Where do I get a Where do I get one of those sheets? By the way, I think it's like Earthing.net or something. Again, I'm not connected. Like just so your listeners know, like there's no I'm not these products I mentioned. I'm not connected to them anyway. Um, but Earthing.net I think is where you go. But you can find them on Amazon now, and they have like grounding sheets. They have grounding pads that you can put like at your feet when you're on your computer, or use it like on your hands while you're resting your hands on the desk. That could be on a grounding pad. Hmm. And again, it's how we evolved, right? So even when we started wearing things like moccasins, which are made from skin, um, the sweat in our bodies, when we would sweat, the minerals in our sweat, like potassium, sodium, are conductive. Um, ocean water is conductive. And so you would sweat through the, 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 the moccasin because there was no like, you know, um, artificial materials like rubber. That aren't conductive, and so you would literally sweat through the the skin that you were on, and you would con- you would be conductive. You would be grounding your feet. In you know, Native American Indians would would ground by virtue of their moccasins. It's only when we started using you know p- petrochemical kinds of things like rubber and things like that that aren't conductive that we started really separating ourselves from it. Hmm. Cool. I'm gonna try that. I really am. Very cool. All right. So that's uh, let's see. We've hit on grounding, rebounding, acid alkaline. What other weird things can we talk about with 
Sid Garza Hillman. Um, I, I'm just I'm two for, I'm two for two. I mean, I've I've won the grounding <laughs> thing. I think that I think the 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 trampoline thing was a, a home run. So that, what it also what what right. you got for me? I Frazier? This is like this is like this is like softballs. Give it to me. Right. Okay. So this this phobia that I'm hearing about <laughs> that you're promoting, um, protodephophobia, right? Yeah, protodephophobia. <laughs> okay. Well, why don't you explain to us what that is? Okay, so this is literally, I have to say, like, tongue-in-cheek, because the one comment that the, the post got was, like, from this guy who was all bent out of shape about it. So it, it was, like, a Joshua Catcher. Do you know Joshua Catcher? No, but I, it, he's Discerning Brute, right, his site? Yeah, he's, right. He's the Discerning Brute, and he and he does this, like, sustainable fashion, very high-end stuff, very awesome stuff. And so um, this publicist had put me in touch with him as a to have him on my podcast, which I did. We had a really good discussion about sort of gender and and sort of masculinity and and evil and heroes and all this c- cool stuff in the modern world. He's got this business that he's you know really trying to make it sustainable, and it's you know obviously there's an analog to the Stanford Inn where I work, you know where there's this kind of a sustainability ethic behind it, and so it was a very interesting discussion. But then two weeks later, he just happened to be in San Francisco. So I said, why don't you come up to the inn? And so Jeff and Joan put him up and we had dinner together. And during dinner, we were talking about just the things that we do. And, and I was talking about how I, a couple nights a week, I walk around the restaurant that we have at the Stanford Inn. That's a vegan restaurant. And oftentimes I get the question about protein. And so, you know, which, which items on your menu have protein, you know, this kind of thing. And our, I, our menu was full. It's mostly whole food, so it's full, you couldn't get enough. You couldn't get too much protein. Like, it's just there's so much protein on there, it's, like, ridiculous. But we were joking around about it, and he said, you know, it's kind of like it's become a phobia in the modern world. Like, people are so afraid. I was like, I know. We should totally make a name for it and, like, actually make it a phobia. And I was like, what about, like, something like protodiphophobia? And we just cracked up, and it was like, protodiphophobia, what a great idea. And so... <laughs> That was literally like we co-coined this phrase, and so a few weeks after that, he wrote me an email and said, "Hey, would you would you mind um, doing a post um, on my website uh, of protodiphophobia?" And I was like, "Right on!" And so I did, and it's 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 you know you read it, it's light, it's funny, it's we're not like really trying to make it a phobia, but right. it's sort of to shed light on this like intense amount of fear that is that is propagated in the modern world and it and it is very real and at the end of the post i i do all kidding aside people are afraid and i and i don't want to be somebody who keeps that fear going i i think you and i and 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 guys like rich and, and rich roll and 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 a few other people are trying to minimize the fear trying to show that this is not a fearful that you can live much better by taking care of yourself. However far you go in that, it's it's still that kind of thing. And I think that the industry of protein, um, which ironically, you know, there's like I said, tons of protein in plants, so it's never an issue if you get enough calories. But because people are afraid, it's because they're subject to market forces and advertising that that play on fear. And especially when it comes to kids, they are scaring people into believing that they need these products to to literally survive. And so it is a real phobia. It is. It's just not coined like in sort of any kind of journal, but it is this irrational fear because you can you never are having a problem with protein if you get enough calories to eat. So that's where that came from. And I'm just trying to sort of make it it was sort of like supposed to be comedic and you know, whatever, but anyhow. But that was where that came from. Yeah. Well, I like it. I mean it is you're right, it is irrational. A lot of the stuff that is related where where marketing dollars have have taught us what to believe, that I think that's 
almost the definition of irrational because we don't there's no actual reason it's just this big illusion uh and that's that's one of many of course anyway we'll put the link to that article uh in the in the show notes here so people can go check that out on the discerning brute and uh i think that is everything sid i think that's that's all once more i do want to stress again you're you're a very much down-to-earth guy in your approach to nutrition you eat mostly mostly what whole i mean a lot of fruit a lot of vegetables Whole foods. Yeah, I'm 100 100% plant based and about 90 to 95% whole plants. You know, but I still have fun and I I like my beer and you know, so mm-hmm. it's it's like you know just kind of that balance that I found for myself. Yeah, you like your coffee too, right? I do love the Big espresso. Yeah, we got one of those uh, clover machines in Asheville, which which kind of oh, I love those damn things. Yeah, I know. I loved it a little bit too much for a couple of weeks, and now I've now I've like not drinking any coffee because I'm like punishing myself. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that, see that's stress. that's that's too rigid. It is. So I know this is like, like not as professional, but Jeff wants to say hi because Jeff just walked in the room. Say hi to Matt. Where do I say hi? Just right there. That's too close to the head. head. <laughs> hi, Matt. How are you? Hey, Jeff. I'm doing great. How are you? It says, how are you? I'm good. When are you coming back this way? I keep looking in my email for, for an invitation. I haven't seen one pop up yet, but as soon as I oh, get one. Oh, it got lost. How about <laughs> it? <laughs> right. Yeah, I know where it got lost. Um <laughs> This is a verbal invitation. That's even better. Bring your wife and kids. All right. I love it. We will do it. Yeah. Why don't you come here for Thanksgiving? You know, you were here. Uh, it was the other way around last year. Yeah, it was almost Thanksgiving. It was uh, yeah. Halloween or so. Yeah, I, I unfortunately can't do that because my dad's coming into town. But we absolutely will take you up on that offer. I, I really do appreciate it. So everyone listening, uh, Jeff is the, is the owner of the Stanford Inn. As I mentioned, an amazing resort. All vegan. Stayed there for a day, and it was wonderful last follow my book tour so anyway i appreciate it jeff good to talk to you good to talk to you too have a good show <laughs> thanks all right all right good to not i got an invite that was you did you, you you managed to get an invite yeah actually i had dinner or sorry lunch with no brunch with uh jeff's daughter she came to Asheville and i met her and i believe her husband so yeah and that was during things that was that was actually during thanksgiving Oh, that was during Thanksgiving. Okay, that's what that's what he said. It was like the other way around because his his kid came to you. Oh, I didn't get that. Yeah, okay, yeah. I see. Yeah. Got it. I thought he was meant not quite the right timing, but yeah, cool. All right. So anyway, um, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so like I said, we're gonna give away two copies of your book. They are two rare signed copies of the book. In fact, not just not just regular copies. Right. Uh, so all you need to do is leave a comment on the the post that that or the the page that we make for each pod, for this podcast episode, like we do for all the others. Uh, but if you're listening and you don't usually go to the page, we'll set up a URL: nomeatathlete.com/sid. S I D. Uh, if you go to that, it'll redirect you to the podcast page. And all you have to do there is is leave a comment, um, maybe make fun of Sid or something in there, and then. Uh, and then you will be eligible. And then we'll we'll draw it and we'll announce on the podcast who it is. Or I'll, I'll email you if you want. Yeah, maybe the first two people who say how I won all the arguments that were that were brought up in this podcast. If you do that, you will be disqualified and then be withdrawn <laughs> from the from the lottery box. <laughs> all right, well, Sid, this has been fun as always, and uh, we'll have to we'll have to meet up in person again soon because we always do have a good time. I would love to do that, and it was a pleasure being on here. And thanks for all the work you're doing. I, I you know, I keep in, I keep in, I keep in touch with what you're up to. So I'm always happy to hear that you're you're doing so well. 
I appreciate it. Uh, and by the way, we should mention that you do have a podcast. The people who are podcast listeners should check it out. Uh, what's what's the name and what's your website? Just um, uh, It's Approaching the Natural Podcast. And my website is SidGarzaHillman.com. And you can find me like on you know Twitter and Instagram and Facebook also is all Sid Garza Hillman. And I have a YouTube channel too, Matt, which um, you should check out. I just did a video of, of a trip that I took with my dad. It's it's a, the Approaching the Natural video series but anyway it's under sid garza hillman on youtube too cool i did not know about that so yeah we'll put links to all that stuff and uh, i myself will check it out awesome all right thanks a lot sid you got it man thanks so much all right bye-bye